And uh, I'm going to try to get through as much as I can tonight, so stay with me. If I get moving maybe a little fast for you, just write these passages down. This is maybe the, one of the most important messages that I teach, period, but especially in this series on deliverance. And I would just say to you as a man of God and a prophet of God and been in the ministry over 35 years, about 38 years, there's millions of people need to be set free. And uh, if we don't teach this, and this is why I'm writing a book on it, to get it out to other preachers and other people intelligently, what's involved in this. We're not a demon hunter. We're not some witch doctor trying to figure out everybody, you know, but we know what to do when we know what to do. And we've been doing this a long time. Jesus personally taught me about it back in the late 70s. Then later I did get in contact with people who knew more than I did about it. Uh, you know, men like Dr. Summerall, men like Norval Hayes, and people like that, Brother Hagen. But, uh, you know, this is a very heartfelt teaching here about this. And this subject always came up, and people always want to challenge me. Well, can a Christian have a devil? Well, you can have one if you want one. That's my answer to you, and absolutely yes. And yet at the same time, then your mind starts spinning if you have never been taught properly before. If you've been in this church any period of time, we've taught you about it. Especially in the Bible school, we taught a lot about it, uh, demonology. But anyway, now the devil doesn't, for a believer, he can't come in and possess your spirit. That's a very, that would be very rare and very odd to do. There's some deeper teaching I'm not going to get into on that. But typically what I'm teaching you tonight is that spirits, evil spirits, to try to get to your soul or your flesh and drive you and motivate you and influence you to do evil, to do wrong, and to do what's not right. And if you don't see that in, in somewhere where you work or in your neighborhood or on 6 o'clock news, then you're just not a very thinking person. So let's read in Ephesians 5. Let's start here. I'm going to go a little quicker as I move along. Chapter 5 of Ephesians, starting in verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, useless words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And this, there's another thought. If you're going to live in disobedience to the word, you're not going to get delivered. And even if somebody could get you delivered, we can if you need it, but you won't stay delivered if you keep on playing with sin. Be not therefore, verse 7, partakers with them, those who are in disobedience. For you were sometimes darkness. In other words, notice it doesn't say you walked in darkness. You were sometimes darkness. Me and you. But now, in Christ we're talking about, now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We're to walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness, or living right, and in truth. Proving, or we might say knowing what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship... How much? No. no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So you're going to have to be committed to not fellowship with darkness and not be around people who are darkness and to have no fellowship with things that produce darkness in your life. Look at verse 14 real quick. Awake thou that sleepest. Now that doesn't mean you physically took a nap, but spiritually you went to sleep. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So even people that the world has tried to make inroads into your life, 
and you begin to compromise and you begin to think this is okay, that's okay, that's okay, it's just whatever. Well, it says here, wake up. And don't, don't let the, the world and, and unbelieving, it sounds like a, a misnomer or whatever you call that, unbeliever believers that don't know anything, don't want to do anything, don't let them convince you anything other than you're going to have to live for God. I'm not running a charity hospital for the devil, Dr. Summerall said one time. Neither am I. If you're not committed to live right, then I could help you momentarily, but you're going to have to correct some things or, you know, eventually I may have to ask you to leave if you're that big of a problem. Thank you so much. I've asked a couple of people to leave in the last three years. I'm glad they left. Uh, Go with me back here to uh, Matthew 15. And why did we do that? Well, the Bible teaches it in Romans and a lot of other places because they were leaven. And they were bad leaven that we could have come in and leavened the whole lump here if we let things go on that we knowingly know are absolutely bizarre and not right and perverted or twisted. I'm not going to tolerate that. Now, you know what you do in your private life, your private life, but you've you got to remember if you're going to be a believer in a church, you have some commitment here to God first and then to me and to the rest of the body to be a covenant-minded person. It does matter what you do privately. Don't tell me it don't matter. You're a part of this church. If you say, if you're going to call me pastor, then rise up to it and let me pastor you or don't call me that anymore. Now you say, Pastor, you've got an edge on you. When I teach this, I've got an edge on me. I've got an edge anyway without this sometimes. But, but I'm telling you, when I teach this, I get aggressive because the devil, he is so threatened by this teaching. I could teach you about the fruit of the Spirit, walk in love, agape, let's have a cup of coffee and a scone, and you'd all three be thrilled. But if I say, I think some of you got devils, you go, oh my God, I don't like this place anymore. You're going to straighten me out? No, God's going to straighten you out if you want to be straightened out. It's up to you not up to me I'm teaching the truth to set you free but you'll have to take a hold to it and no we're not looking for devils but here's the thing shouldn't you be equipped to know what to do with the devil are you going to just drag all your uh, you know goofball people down here for me to fix what about you fixing them how about what I mean is you praying effectively see when I prayed a minute ago I just didn't rush through the offering to be cute my words went with that offering I believe my words go places yeah, hello. There's creatures move because I say something. Angelic and demonic both. Hallelujah. But they don't give me a hard time like people. They never talk back. If I say go, he's going. If I tell the angels go do that and I'm in line with the word, they'll just do it. They won't argue with me about it. Hallelujah. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, Matthew 15, let's begin in verse 22. And, and this is Jesus, you know, he went to a certain region and it says, And behold, Matthew 15, 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan. I'm answering the question tonight, can a Christian have a devil? That's what I'm trying to deal with here. Now you realize, before I get started, I want you to know that I know there was nobody born again in Jesus' ministry. So we're looking at things, though, but there's clues in what's said in these passages about deliverance that will give us insight into whether a Christian could have a devil. And before I'm done, I'm going to do my best to get through this. I'm going to show you from the New Testament letters 
that you could receive a different spirit than what you have. In other words, receiving something other than from the Holy Ghost. And here's another thought for all of you that want to study your Bibles. If you can't prove what we teach here over in the letters, it's not rightly divided. A lot of people teach out of the Old Testament and they fall way short of what we're, our position that we're in now, our dominion we have now, our standing with God now. I'm not an old covenant person. I, I know that's part of my Bible, but you have to rightly divide it. What are you? You're not a Jew and you're not a heathen. You're the church. And you better find scriptures over in the letters that are written to the church that helps define what I'm teaching you tonight. But there are things even here in Jesus' ministry that helps us understand about deliverance. I mean, when he came on the scene, I mean, the people, he'd go to the synagogue or the place of worship. There wasn't a church yet because he hadn't died yet. There was nobody born again until he was the first one born again from the dead. First man ever got born again for the church was born again in hell. His name was Jesus. He's the firstborn from the dead. Until then, the church never existed. You know, it refers to Moses being in the, in the wilderness in the church. He says a type of the church. But the real church couldn't come until Jesus shed his blood and redeemed us and put us in Christ. All right, just making sure you know all that. Some people try to build a doctrine on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe... You better get over there in the book of Acts and following before you start preaching that as some kind of New Testament doctrine. Hallelujah. Just talking to you here. Straightening out a lot of kinky theology. You talk about stuff that seems kinky to you. Well, there's a lot of kinky people in the church that just don't have good theology. Well, thank you, Dr. J. You're welcome. So this woman, it says, verse 22, And behold, a woman came out of Canaan, that came out of the same coast, and cried unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on, on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed or harassed with a demon. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. In other words, she's crying. She's making too much ado here. Run her off. And he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here's another little thought. Why do you do this? Sometimes people want you to wave your magic wand and get them fixed, but they don't listen to anything. He's kind of testing her to see where she's at in this. And then she came and worshipped him. Boy, that, got, that melted his heart. And said, Lord, help me. And, and he answered her and said, it is not meat. Now listen to this. Underline this verse. It is not meat to take the children's bread... The children's bread. The children's bread. And what was she asking? For my daughter needs to be delivered. Well, why would deliverance be the children's bread if the children of God didn't need some help? Just, I'm just throwing some food to you here to take a hold to. Listen to me. And says, but but said, is it not it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Again, you'd say, Well, he insulted her. But she goes on to say, that's right, Lord. In other words, I'm not an Israeli, but the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. If I just got a crumb from you, I know my daughter could get delivered. Look at her faith talking. Listen to her faith talking. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee as you will. And her daughter was made, here's this wonderful word we've been looking at lately, whole 
Not she didn't just get delivered, she did, but she was made whole. Jesus got to the root of the issue. See, see, it says, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. See, again, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to lay the axe to the root in your life where there's something, you know, we pray for you, we pray for you, we minister to you, we minister, and we're not ashamed to do that, not embarrassed, and not complaining about it. But here's my question to you. When are you going to get to the root in your life that's producing that bad fruit? When are you going to get the axe to the root of the fruit in your life that's not right? So I'm talking to me too. You've got to lay the axe to the root. I was talking to somebody a while back and they said, well, you know, I'm in the word and I'm a distant. I said, well, I said, you seem like a very disciplined person to me. But they said, but on the inside, I'm constantly churning. I'm constantly upset. I'm constantly, there's like a rumbling on the inside of me. I said, well, then you need help. Because you have received peace with God through Jesus Christ, but you haven't got to the place of receiving the peace of God. That's a different deal altogether, baby. You know, we can dress up and comb our hair back, put perfume on, you ladies or whatever, and, and the men too come and dress in a suit and a tie, but inside we're driven, inside we're frustrated, inside we're angry, inside we got whatever your deal might be. If you got a deal, you better put the ax to it. But what I'm showing you is that deliverance is the children's bread. Hallelujah. I could even say more, but I got to move on. Go to Luke 13 here. Are you still here? We're talking about can a Christian have a devil? Of course, this lady wasn't a Christian. But he's telling us something in saying that deliverance is the children's bread. He's referring to children of God. Children of the covenant, we might say. How's that? Now, when he ministered to people under this covenant, and we're going to see this in Luke 13, starting in verse 10, what he's saying is this woman's in covenant with me and she has a right to be delivered. She's in covenant with me. See, when you now we're not in that covenant, but we're over in the new covenant. It's better covenant. So that means even more I have a right to be delivered if I need it because I'm in a better covenant than she was. It's evident that old lazy synagogue preacher, he wasn't getting the job done. She'd been there 18 years, bowed over. And then when she did get delivered, instead of rejoicing in one of his members getting free, he was critical of the preacher, namely Jesus, and was indignant and rude. And Jesus snapped back on him, too. I'm glad he did. I'm wondering he didn't slap his jaws. It's verse 10. It says, he was teaching, Luke 13, 10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So this is a place of religious worship, religious gathering, religious people. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. Her problem was a spirit of infirmity that made her infirm. And she had it 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. So it says there's mountains of teaching here. She had it for a long time. It had bowed her over. It might have been an arthritic condition or something in the natural we would call it. But the, the, the root of it was a spirit of infirmity. We had that, uh, Jacob did a great job Sunday night, and we had one of these, I forgot, I don't know her name, but a young lady came, and she said, I have, I think she said, I have ovarian cancer. Seemed like a pretty young gal to have that, but it doesn't matter. The devil will beat you up. It don't matter how old you are if you let him. 
And uh, Jacob prayed for her and everything. And then when I was looking at her, I discerned something there. And I stopped and I said, you've been sick all your life, hadn't you? She went, yeah. And her, I think it was her mother or sister with her. And she said, yeah, she had. And then I cast the devil out of her. And I, I could tell when that thing left her. It's a spirit of infirmity. And, and so she needed, like this woman here, some people need outside help. They can't get it done by themselves anymore. Either they don't know how to get it done. They've been beat up enough. They, the devil shoved you in the corner enough. You just stay there. Put your little hat on, right on the wall, slobber, whatever. But he's not going to let you out. You ever realize the Bible says about him, I'm talking about this Sunday, he has a prison house. He don't like his prisoners to get loose. Jesus is just the opposite. He wants everybody free. <laughs> free of what? Free of anything that hinders us. Free of anything of the curse. Free of any bondage. Praise God, I'm preaching better than you're agreeing. Verse 12, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. See, you're, sometimes your words proceed what you do. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So she glorified God, gave God the praise for it. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Listen to this guy. He's, he needs deliverance. And the Lord then answered him and said, You hypocrite. Man, that's some pretty strong talk. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass, his farm animals that do his work from the stall, and lead him away to watering, to refreshing? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, that's covenant talk, whom Satan hath bound. Who bound her? Who set her free? Jesus. She said, Satan bound her 18 years. Shouldn't she be loose from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. There must have been more than just a synagogue professor there got involved in that attitude. And all the people rejoiced. I like to say all the common people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by Jesus. But here's my point again. Here's a covenant woman. Bound 18 years. We had a right to it day one. Because she's in covenant with Jehovah of the Old Testament. You understand what I'm saying? She's attending a synagogue. She's a Jewish lady. And she's in covenant with God, even under that old covenant. And because of that, she had a right to be free from that. How much more do you think we'd have a right to be free? <laughs> I'm not near done. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. Here's this guy. We've talked about him a little bit. We're not trying to give him a bad rap. He was just a bad person at that time. He took his father's wife. So it, it could mean, and I think it indicates that it wasn't his mother. Though Leviticus tells about all that, who to not sleep with, including kinfolk and anybody that's not your mate. <clears throat> and that goes on all the time today in our society. Only you hear about the most extreme cases. God was talking to me about things. All well, we hear in the news, just one little isolated deal, but that could be multiplied thousands of times around this planet. Every day people disappear. Every day people get abused. Every day people get tortured. Don't be silly. And it's demonically inspired. And this guy was coming to church, but he committed fornication. He's sleeping with his father's new wife. I'm not making up the new part. I don't know if she was new. But, and you're puffed up, verse 2, and have not rather mourned, 1 Corinthians 5, 2, and, hath not, and that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. See, there's some people you have to pray out if they won't get right. 
I know you don't believe that probably, most of you, but it's in the Bible and in a lot of other places. Confront those that cause divisions and mark them and have nothing to do with them until they repent. For verily I say, I'm absent in my body, Paul says, but I'm present in the spirit. Uh, And that's not something weird. He's just using his authority because the church should have took care of this, whoever was the head there, but they didn't. And letting this guy come sit there in church with this father's wife and knowing that they're cohabitating, what does that say to the congregation? I said, I've judged already as if I were present. Verse 4, and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That indicates to me his spirit was born again, but he is so overcome by lust. Listen to that. I'm going to turn him over to Satan. I'm going to turn him over to a demonic being that's going to devour his flesh. Either he's going to repent of that or he's coming home because I'm, if he keeps going further and further, he might not even make it to heaven. The implication, I see. I don't want to get you out there too far. Just get this down. We'll be doing good. But what I'm showing you is who destroyed his flesh? Satan, not God. And why did he do it? It tells us right after this because verse 6, your glorying is not good. See, this is the way church, well, we don't want to confront anything. This is a nice church. We've got a pretty piano. We've got good singers. We're all happy. Let's all just not rock the boat, baby. See, that's the way seeker-friendly churches are. Come in your flip-flops and your shorts. Pick up on the girls in the singles group. And do all kinds of bizarre stuff and then come sit in church like you're great and you're all right and everything's great. It's not great. And it's not okay. The guy that wrote that book, I'm okay, you're okay, he's not okay. No, I mean, you can, you, you, I know you're listening to me, but listen, I'm not fooling with this. You, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are on the borderline of being damned that say they're Christians. I could take you to some places, but I don't want to take you that deep tonight. It says, you're nigh unto cursing. <laughs> and this guy, Paul said, get him out of there because he says, don't you understand, verse 6, that a little leaven, this kind of behavior, will leaven the whole lump. Now, leaven's a cooking thing you put in dough, and it permeates the whole loaf, so it all rises. That, he's just saying that kind of sin, that sexual immorality, that looseness, that casualness, if you don't deal with that, and you don't do something about that, it's going to spread through your whole church. Dr. Dufresne tells a story about a church in a certain state, 1,500 members strong. He got up to preach. We're going to preach a real good message. And God said, there's three people here swapping wives. You need to repent. Get up here and repent. Well, not everybody ran to the front. (laughs) Now, listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. The pastor was embarrassed and ashamed. And the only reason God used Dr. Dr. said this publicly is because the pastor was supposed to, he knew it was going on, but he didn't deal with it. You didn't have to do that publicly. He could have took those couples aside and said, straighten up or leave. I'll cast the devil out of you, take you through whatever. You be accountable, etc. Or you're going to have to boogie because we're not going to put up with this. You got three now, you're going to have 30 by next year sleeping together. And, and Dr. Dufresne got up and he had a couple other preachers. You take this side, you take that side, I'll take the middle, go find the person that's doing it. How would you like to have been the other preachers? I want to be in the ministry, Pastor. Oh, you do? 
Maybe we give you an assignment like that and see how you come out. Being smart, like, no, I'm being honest. See, everybody says they want something until it comes to what they have to put their life on the line for. And finally, all of them picked their people out, and the doctor went to a guy, and he said, you're the man. He goes, no, I'm not, preacher. You missed it. And he said, no, I didn't. And he started trembling. He said, yeah, I'm the man. And you know, that church went from 1,500 to zero in a couple of years because the pastor, the leadership, wouldn't deal with some radical sin going on. You can believe it or not believe it. It's the truth anyway. And we're showing you here how sometimes the devil gets involved in church people. He said that his spirit might be saved. Of course, while he writes the second letter, I don't have time to go to that particular passage. I'm going to go to another passage in a minute. He says, forgive him this wrong. He's repented. He suffered enough. You know, back in the Bible days when you got excommunicated from a church, baby, you got the you-know-what beat out of you out there. We didn't pray for that. I don't think Paul prayed for that. I don't pray for that. He knew what Jesus taught. Bless your enemies and pray for them that despitefully use you. But he didn't say leave him in the church so his perversion can spread either. See, we got that kind of weird agape, sloppy agape, everybody, we need to love everybody. Yeah, we need to love everybody and we need to love the group so that somebody doesn't come in and take advantage of the group that's more naive than the preacher. I love you all, but some of you are so gullible. God bless your hearts. You're so gullible. Somebody could talk you into anything almost. Preaching good. Thank you, Jordan. I wish somebody would say amen. Not mad at you. I'm just trying to save you heartache and destruction, damnation, hell, and everything that the devil could offer. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 2. Let's go back over here. We've been here a couple times. We're talking about can can a Christian have a devil? And here he tells us again, and in this chapter, I won't read the whole chapter. You can start verse 1 later. It's referring to the guy we just talked about in 1 Corinthians 5. He got put out and evidently he repented. And finally Paul said, okay, he suffered enough and he's sincere. Bring him back in. And uh, verse 10. And there's people sitting here tonight that had problems that I dealt with. Ten years ago, five years ago, eight years ago. Thank you for staying. They listen to what I had to say. Most people get offended. I mean, you know, if I tell you you're great and you're redeemed and, and you get all these blessings, everybody's jumping up and down, taking a lap. But this is part of the covenant too, that sometimes we have to take somebody's side and say, listen, you're going to have to straighten up, bud. Lady, you're going to have to straighten up. Yeah, I had, I had a guy in my church, he kept hugging all the women, but he didn't hug them, he practically molested them. And I put him in my office. I said, it's brought to my attention now. This happened more than once. You don't hug any woman in my church, period. You hug another woman in my church, I will have you evicted. I'll either take you personally out of this church. I'll have my ushers drag you out. Or I'll call the police on you by God. And they'll cuff you and take you to jail. You think I'm kidding? Try me. Keep your hands off the women. Well, I think the women would say, amen. My God, you're as quiet as I don't know what. Got one hand back there and a couple of, oh, did he really do that? Who's he talking about? <laughs> and he wasn't being agape. He was being lustful. And if we find out about stuff like that, we just say, that's not the way you do this, and we don't want you doing that, period. 
sit down and be nice. Keep your hands to yourself. Unless it's a man, grab his hand and shake it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just talking about some things here. Now, I know we're, we feel innocent when we want to be uh, affectionate with one another, and we want to be, but we need to be affectionate but appropriate. I was over in Evansville a couple years ago. Some of you could have been in that meeting. A lady got her spine healed in my ministry, and she jumped up and was going to grab me, and <laughs> I said, wait, wait, wait. I jumped back. I said, I know you're thankful, but I didn't heal you. Jesus did, and it just wouldn't be right for you to embrace me like that. How many was in that meeting? Yeah. It was kind of funny. Well, I didn't embarrass her. I just said, you know, that'd just be better if we didn't do that. And she was just, she, it was heartfelt, but it would, just wouldn't have looked right. And it just wouldn't have been right. One lady grabbed me before I could get her off of me. One time. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't Diana, my wife. So I had to take her in the back room with one of the ladies, and I said, Lady, don't ever do that to me again. Listen, I, you don't hug any man like that unless he's your husband. It's just inappropriate, dear. I know maybe you were thankful or excited, but don't do that to me again. I'll shake your hand. I'll hug you from the side maybe, but don't you do what you just did again. I'm going to have to ask you to leave, and don't do it to any of the other men either because some of them might like it. I got a couple laughs and those dead silence here. You ladies ought to get a clue what your husband needs by some of this. All right. Verse 10. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. All, it sounds very wordy. All he says is, I'm forgiving everybody because Jesus is in me. He gives me the ability to forgive everybody of everything. And then he says, least Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Now, we know from Jesus, uh, the, you know, here, here's the thing. In, just stay with me in Second Corinthians. But in Acts, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And that word means to be weighed down in body or mind, for God was with him. So we can see here, if we're ignorant of the devil's devices, then... The devil will try to weigh us down in mind or body, wouldn't he? Either through sickness and disease or mental problems. How many are catching on to what I'm saying? And who's he writing to here in Corinthians? The church at Corinth. We could say the church on the rock, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, etc. So he's writing to believers and he says, if we're going to be ignorant of the way the devil does things, then Satan's going to get an advantage of you. And I might add, it won't be a good advantage for you. Or me. Again, we're talking. Can, can, he's writing these to believers. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's get a little deeper. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. This is one of the most outstanding scriptures in the New Covenant dealing with can a believer have a devil or a demon, really? For I am jealous over you, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11, 2. I'm jealous over you, Paul says, with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. See, you know, the pastors, and like myself, men of God, we are jealous over you in the right way. Some of you think we interfere, but we're interfering to save your life. 
I had a young lady in church here a while back. Donna met with me with her. I've told that story before. She dressed like a hooker. Uh, you know, I could go on and on with descriptive words, but I'll let it go. I think you get the flavor. And she'd go to the singles group and then want one of the men to take her home. And I mean, I, I just had to bring her in finally. She just kept getting a bad report everywhere she showed up. The married women were afraid of her. That ought to be a bell ringer because their husbands are there and she's acting like a you know what and uh, then she got a ride home with somebody once or twice and that got bad and I t- brought her in I said honey what's your problem you're not going to live like this in my church I'm not going to allow you to I love you and I'll help you I don't know what your issues are you've got, you've got some kind of perversion you've got some kind of sexual deal going what, what's happening with you and uh, of course I got to the bottom of some of it it was a family issue her dad had committed adultery on her mother I said what's that have to do with me as your pastor and you acting bizarre you need to shape up girl you can still look like a woman but act like a woman don't act like a whore because some of the men in the church are so dumb they'll take you up on it and I'm not going to let you come in here and sleep around with some of my single men or married men and tear up some families I will help you Donna will help you if you've got more feminine stuff that you want to talk about that you're not comfortable to talk about with me, hey, put it out there. I can handle it. But if you want to talk privately with her, that's fine. But you're going to listen to me or you're going to leave. That's your options. Because it's come to my attention too many times now. Uh, you can just be quiet as you want. Well, she got mad and left. I said, I begged her. You can ask Donna. I said, let me help you. Let Donna and I help you, young lady. You want to end up over here in the trailer park with three kids and no husband? Dancing down at the club for a living? Because that's where you're headed, baby. Listen to me. I'm not a, I'm not a stupid man. I, I'm telling you, that's where you're headed. I was looking for a girl like you when I was a drug addict. And when I was through with you, you're to the side and I'm out to the next conquest. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about here. See, sometimes this godly jealousy moves on the pastor to bring somebody to the side and say, hey, listen, you, you're going to have to shape up a little here. You know, maybe, you know, because you're too flirtatious with too many people and there's bells and whistles going off everywhere. And every time your name comes up, it's not in a good light. And I'm the pastor and you're not. And I'll help you if you'll let me. But if you don't, you're going to have to leave because you're dangerous. See, some people are just stupid, but some people are dangerous. Some people are foolish, but some people are dangerous. And you, the wise of us know how to discern the difference. And you've got to deal with those dangerous people because they'll tear up your church. It is good preaching. Thank you for saying that, Suzanne. Yeah, I had a lady come in the second church I pastored, and the Lord said, look out for her. I mean, he just told me that while I'm preaching. She came in and took a seat. I knew what he meant by that. She's not right. She's not right. And before I could warn everybody in the church, you know, we weren't trying to excommunicate her. We just wanted to warn the men, you better be careful. She's invited one of my single men to come over and fix her washing machine, but she wanted something else fixed other than a washing machine. And after all that was said and done, then he calls me crying. Pastor, I've done a terrible thing. I know you'd like to think everybody's just holy, holy that comes through those doors. 
And they can be, but that's just because they come through the door and sit and where you're sitting doesn't mean they're right. Some of you haven't been right. I'm not criticizing you. Some of us haven't been right at some point in our Christian life. But if we're intelligent, we can get on the other side of that. You're not helping me preach fast, but that's all right. And so there's a godly jealousy in me as a pastor to protect, not just sexually. Some people come in, I say, don't put your cards on people's chairs. This isn't a business here. This is God's business. You don't have authority to do that. Did you ask me about that? No, then go pick them up. Leave your Avon cards down. Leave your this and that cards around. If you sell Avon and somebody in my church is interested, you can sell them whatever you want. But don't you come in here and hit on all my people with your water pick deal and your Shackley vitamin deal or your Tupperware deal or your makeup deal. It's one thing if you have friends and they're interested, go ahead and sell to them. But this is not a marketplace for you to come in and try to push your wares. This is my vineyard. This is God's vineyard with me in charge and that is illegal and unethical. Nobody asked you to do that. There's a lot of people, and I had talked straight to some of them. I, I finally consented to go to lunch with somebody I thought knew better, and the whole lunchtime they're trying to sell me something. I finally said, I thought you cared about me enough to buy me lunch, and your whole, the whole time you've talked, and you've talked the whole lunch about what you want to sell me. Take me back to church and let me get out of this car. And don't you ever do that with any of my members. Pastor, I never saw a pastor like you. Maybe you had never seen a real one. I'm not a big shot, but I'm not afraid of you. And all the other people that will come in the future. And all the other people that already left. Because they want to come in and do their own thing, baby. It's just, you come in and do God's thing, God's way, and that's what you do. I'm talking about covenant, ministry helps, everything now. Trying to get to my verse, you're, 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 you're going to help me, right? Yes, sir. Verse 3, but I fear, I'm concerned, Paul says, we could say it that way, at least it by any means. And there's other means he could use, but as the serpent, who's that? The devil, beguiled or deceived Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For if he that cometh... Somebody comes around you preaching another Jesus whom you have not whom we have not preached or if you receive another spirit who's he writing to the church which you have not received or another gospel which we have not accepted you might well bear with him in other words he's saying you could re see there's a lot of people preach a Jesus I don't believe in I don't believe in a lot of stuff I hear on Christian television, the way they put it. I don't believe in a lot of people's books they write about Jesus. It's not the Jesus I know from the Bible. I, I, my wife had the newsletter from a big church around here somewhere and it had a whole article in there by somebody that had a master's degree in something and a, a doctor's degree in something or whatever. It doesn't matter. Trying to impress me. And there's nothing in the Bible about the baptism of the Holy Ghost that says that's... I think, what is the matter with your head? You haven't even read the Bible. Shut up! Put your article in a Christian newsletter, supposedly from a church that's supposed to be Christian. What's the matter with people? And people suck up on all that unbelief. That's not the Jesus I know. 
go to a church well now we don't know if God will do it or not we're still pondering it Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever that's my response that's the Bible if you don't want to believe the Bible I suggest you go somewhere else because there's plenty of that another Jesus other than the one in the scriptures but this is, this, this is disturbing that he says you could receive another spirit depending on what's preached to you. I've had people challenge me as I was unsaved because I don't have church on Saturday. I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm not a Mormon. I'm not a Christian science. I'm a believer. <laughs> Glory to God. So this says to me, somebody could preach a different Jesus than the one that's the real Jesus. They could preach a different gospel than the one Paul said, we've already preached to you. You ought to line it up and see if it lines up. We've got, we've got tons and tons and tons of help now medically. Care groups, help groups, support groups. Everybody comes in with their devil and they all pet each other's devils. Yeah, you, I mean, you know, I'm not making fun of people that hurt, but if you're divorced and you go sit down with a room full of divorcees and everybody tells you how ugly their mate was to them, you haven't accomplished anything. You just multiplied the ugliness of it. And then you remember all the sting of the person rejecting you, all the sting of what they did against you or said against you. That's not getting healed or made whole. That's getting you worse in the hole, in the pit. <clears throat> Well, I'm trying to help you. Let's go to Galatians here. I'm going to have to cut this off. I'm already at almost 8.30 here, and I've had a few more things. But look at chapter 3 of Galatians, and, and chapter 1 of Galatians, verse 2, as you're going that way, says, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Who's he writing to? The churches of a region. And chapter 3, verse 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That word, I looked it up, it, kind of, it has this meaning to it. Influence or effect or witchcraft. Now these, are, these were Jewish believers that had been saved supposedly, but they were still trying to live under the law of Moses. And he says, you foolish, and the word there means un, unintelligent, or un, uninformed rather, Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. See, the devil always tries to influence people to not obey the word. This is my point. He's writing to a whole group of churches. These were not heathens. These were not unbelievers. But they were people that had got bewitched by the devil and were in false doctrine and into legalism. I mean, and Peter and Paul got in a big argument about it in the second chapter. If you go back and read it later, you know... Peter, he was all with everything. Then all of a sudden the Jews showed up and he ran over to the, to the Jews and acted like I don't want nothing to do with him. And Paul stood him up to the face, man, and dealt with that verbally. Said, how dare you? You're not going to tear our liberty away from us. And furthermore, what's the matter with you, Peter? You little chicken. I mean, he was hot. So we've seen the Corinthians could be influenced. They're believers both the first letter and the second. We've seen all the churches of Galatia could be influenced. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, written to preachers. 
And I'm going to have to close with this. And there's just so many good things we're, we're trying to get over. Not that the devil's good. He's bad. But things that we need to understand about how he operates. <clears throat> it says now, verse 1, 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly or deliberately that in the latter times or the last days, I'm kind of translating as I go, some, not all, but some shall depart from the faith. So if you're departing from the faith, you must have once been in the faith. I see this happening all the time. I have for the last 15 years. People used to be a part of a word church and got offended because they didn't want to grow up. And they ran across town to the mega church where they, don't have, they can be a renegade and hide out amongst the multitudes. amazing now this and, and then you say well i thought you spoke in tongues well you know uh, well i thought you believed in healing well i mean you know i don't know now i thought you believed in deliverance well i don't know that's just pastor jacob's revelation no it's the bible see the devil's trying to hinder people to not obey the truth i didn't finish this it says they shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. A number one doctrine of a demon is to say, you don't need help. <laughs> You're all right. You know, it's just your parents, the way they raised you. It's just somebody else's fault. It's got to be somebody else's fault. See, I'm talking about doctrines of demons. This is how they try to operate. We're not here. We're not real. Don't pay any attention to Pastor Jacobs. He don't know what he's talking about. You know you've always been like that. Well, maybe you've always been like that for a reason, and you shouldn't be like that. I don't know. I'm not trying to scoop up people that want help. I'm trying to help people see if they need help, they can get it. Hallelujah. This is not a dark, macabre, spooky, natural type of series. This is a just straightforward type of approach to the Bible to say Jesus is right and Paul is right and all of these other writers were looking at their writings. James even said what? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But if you don't submit to God, he's not going. And if you don't resist the devil, he's coming on like gangbusters, baby. Did you ever have somebody in your life with a strong personality? Unless you stood up to them, baby, you're doing whatever they tell you to do after a while. Because you wouldn't resist. People that hung around with my crowd in the drug addiction days, you became an addict or you just quit coming around us. Because that's what we were. That's what we did. That's what we were. That's what we thought about. That's what we talked about. That's what we dreamed about. That's what we participated in constantly. See, See, see what I'm saying here? So, anyway, praise the Lord. How many got something out of this tonight? Not mad at you. If you think I'm mad at you, you're just, you're, that's the devil talking to you. No, I'm just irritated with people that try to not deal with this subject and pretend like, well, how could that be? There's a lot of things that you may be, how could that be? I just saw on 6 o'clock news the other day what a parent did to their own child. I won't even repeat it. It's too grotesque. You hear it about once a month how some sad, sick little girl that's wanting sex 
and her first guy that knocked her up left her and now she's got a boyfriend that just killed her three-year-old because he got mad that he was crying what in the world honey you're sick your boyfriend's sick and your child paid the penalty for it all because of the devil all because of the devil I mean, the devil's mean. If I, if I could get that over to you, you'd start hating him like I do. He's very subtle. He, he don't come on like, hey, I'm the devil. I'm here to tear the you-know-what out of your life. He comes in like, hey, listen, let me show you a better way to live. See that little cutie walking there? See this thing over here ethically? You could steal some stuff at work and sell it and make money. You could lie on your income tax. That's not a big deal. Everybody does it. Not everybody does it. Jesus didn't do it. He paid his taxes. Well, that's none of your business, Pastor Wayne. I mean, none of my business. It's the devil's business because he's the father of liars. He knows how to get a hold of you. He'll get you motivated anyway to get some money that you can. It don't matter if it's ethical or not. It doesn't matter if it's moral or not. You're just going to protect because, hey, baby, I'm going to have a good time. See how the devil, he comes in real subtle like, well, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It can be a big deal. It could be a huge deal to you. I'm not mad at anybody, not even mad at the little girl that had sex with this deranged boyfriend that beat her baby to death. Something's not wrong. Something's not right about our society anymore. They're sick. They're corrupt. They're defiled. They're possessed of devils I mean unless you don't pay any attention I don't even read the newspaper I don't have time I read my Bible but I do watch the news and just a little bit I hear and for that one incident there's probably another hundred across America the same day I say my God help me to teach this with fervency with passion help me to put something in you where you got something on the inside of you you're going to stand up to the devil spit in his eye kick him in the groin and whatever else you need to do you're not going to tolerate it listen to me he's out to get you oh I don't like this pastor well you, you won't like what he does if you don't like what I'm telling you you either listen to me and get protected and get under the blood and get free and stay free and walk as a militant believer when it comes to the devil and protect your children. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, just another month or two, they have the, uh, the little elementary school dressed like Halloween over here. <laughs> well, they're just kids. I mean, come on. Well, come on, vampires. You know, everything's bloody and blood-sucking and blood-eating and blood... I don't know. It's just bizarreness everywhere. I'm not mad. I've got to get you out because you've got to get Billy Bob home. Now, I want you to stand.